Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Cleveland Guardians 7, the Detroit Tigers 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately here at the end of the season, the final weekend, of course it's going to be hard to watch these games. It's hard to make time to watch these games as the season wraps up. Uh, frankly, I'm, I'm working like a 12 and 11 hour day back to back. So that's, uh, that's, uh, cutting a little bit into baseball time as well. So, uh, let's get into this. Let's dive into what I did get to see the parts of the game that I did get to see. I was lucky enough to have the game on in the third inning when the guardians were scoring. Uh, we ended up going out to dinner and by the time we got back in the car, nothing had happened. It was still a seven to four game. So I feel like I didn't miss anything in those middle innings. Um, I missed, uh, Sam Henches and, uh, De Los Santos and Ronaldo Lopez pitching. All right. Uh, that's what I ended up missing. So let's get into the things I did get to see the top storylines of the game. And that I think the top storyline in this game was both offenses just going off on extra base hits. I mean, they really were filling up the stat sheet. And uh, the all right, honestly, the top storyline of the game is that the Guardians were able to give the Detroit fans a fun Miguel Cabrera game and still win the game for us. You know, I you feel for the fans in Detroit a little bit. They're losing their legend, Miguel Cabrera, his final weekend. And, you know, you want him to, you know, show off a little bit in front of the fans that are obviously coming out to support him here on the final weekend. So I'm I'm glad that Miggy went three for four, uh, you know, on the day with two doubles. It it didn't actually end up hurting us. He didn't score runs, so he got his hits. They got to cheer. We still got the W. Uh, I I'd sign up for that for the next two days. Sure, why not? Let let him entertain the fans uh, while we go and win the game. So I mean, it was a situation where we were actually behind Detroit in the standings coming into this game because they had. Uh, I believe swept the doubleheader the day before and jumped us in the standings. Now we pull even. Uh, MLB's got us listed slightly ahead. I don't know if that's a tiebreaker thing or what. But, uh, yeah, we pull even with them for the final two games of this season. Uh, I, I, I said the top storyline of the game was all the extra base hits, and I am going to get back to it. But I just thought this was interesting. So, you know, I was going through the standings. I was looking at you know, where we are in relationship to Detroit. I was looking at, uh, you know, what's going on in the wild card thing. And scrolling through the standings on MLB's app, you know, they'll tell you the home, the home, you know, standings. The Guardians went 42 and 39 at home. They'll tell you the away standings. We went 34 and 45 on the road. So definitely struggled as a road team this year. But I thought this is interesting. They have uh, your record for teams above 500. Your record against teams above 500. And we have, a, we okay, we don't have a winning record against teams above 500. We have the most wins in the American League Central against teams above 500. We went 41 and 45 against teams above 500. Uh, meanwhile, Minnesota only went 37 and 36. So their winning percentage is better than ours. But we've played way more games against teams above 500. So I don't know if that just means teams were hot when they faced us and they were, you know, north of that 500 line. 
or uh, somehow we had a tougher schedule than Minnesota played. I don't know exactly what it means, but I just thought it was interesting that uh, we by far have the most wins in the division against teams above 500. So uh, I, it means that we probably struggled. I, I'd love to see the inverse of that. It means we probably struggled against teams below 500. How many series throughout the summer, if you f- reflect back where I was like, Oh, we've we gotta clean up over these next three series. Like we're playing the cupcakes of the league. We should we should walk away with eight nine wins from this week, and uh, we'd come back and be like, what what happened? We went four and five against those teams. Against those teams. How many times did we have podcasts this summer where we said that? So uh, I don't know. I thought it was interesting enough to uh, to point out to you. All right, let's get back to all the extra base hits because, like I said, both. Both teams, I mean, seven to five, there were 20, uh, 26 hits to go around. So there was plenty of offensive baseball in this one for you. Um, the Guardians were just lucky enough to uh, come out on top and frankly, frankly, have some pretty timely hitting. I mean, they go five for 17 with runners in scoring position. We finally do it. We finally have a game where we hit with runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, the Tigers only went one for 10 with runners in scoring position. So despite the power, despite the the home runs, two, uh, two home runs apiece for each team, yeah, uh, we come out with a W. Those a couple extra base hits with runners in scoring uh, position being the difference on this one. So for the Guardians, you got Quan with a double. You've got uh, Brian Rocchio with two doubles. You got Bo Naylor with a double and a home run, and you got Tyler Freeman with a big three run home run. So we got six extra base hits for your Cleveland Guardians. On the other side of things, uh, we got Miguel Cabrera with the two doubles. We've got Javi Baez with a double. We've got Parker Meadows with a triple that just missed getting out. I think it said it would have been a home run in 14 out of 30 ballparks, I believe is the number here on StatCast. Yes, 14 out of 30 ballparks. Would have been a home run, but in Detroit, it's just a triple. And then they got home runs from Spencer Torkelson. No surprise. That guy absolutely uh, crushes against us. And then uh, Zach McKinstry uh, got a, uh, a home run as well. So, I mean, that's a, that is a ton of extra base hits. Uh, let's focus on the Cleveland ones because, hey, we're a Cleveland baseball podcast. Uh, first off, Rokio's first double it was just ridiculous. What happened to Akil Badu in left field? He, he, it almost looks like he loses the ball. Maybe does he lose it in the lights? Did he say in the postgame interview or anything like that what happened? I guess he'd have to flip over to the Tigers uh, beat reporters and find out what they're getting from Akil Badu. And, and honest to God, it, it looks like it should be a lazy line out to left field. It's a good swing by Brian Rocchio. There's nothing wrong with the swing. He just kind of hit it right at Akil Badu. In fact, because of the launch angle and the exit velocity, uh, where is it here? Uh, I got to find it. Uh, 92 mile per hour exit velocity, 18 degree launch angle. It had a 530 expected batting average for Rocchio. So it's a good swing, but it should have been an out. Whatever happened, however Bakil do missed this thing, something I get in his eye, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but it goes as a double for Brian Rocchio. Um, but it does set Bo Naylor up for the big home run that dude just continues to 
rake this month. Absolutely insane. Gets a fastball, jumps all over it at 105.5 miles per hour, 30-degree launch angle, 404 feet. Would have been a home run in 30 out of 30 ballparks. And I'm telling you, man, the splits over his last seven games, he's got a 947 uh, no, wait, I'm sorry. That's a 947 slugging. So his uh, OPS over the last seven games is up around over 1,400. Uh, over his last 15 games, it's over 1,000, over 1,100. And over his last 30 games, it's around uh, 1,050. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. So, yeah. Over his last 30 games, over the last month, he's got an OPS over 1,000. And the batting average stays above 300 in all three of those splits there. If you just look at the month of September, remember we talked about how hot Andres Jimenez has been in the month of September. In 51 at-bats uh, in the month of September, he's uh, he's hitting 333. His on-base is 478. His slugging is 667. It's good for a 1.145, an 1145 OPS for the month of September. Now, I mean, look, this is probably unsustainable for an entire season from Bo Naylor and Andres Jimenez. But if they give us 75% of this, like if they give us a little taste of this throughout the entire season, they could really turn next year's lineup into a dangerous lineup. And I mean, I think that's what we're all kind of banking on here. Like, you know, we got into that conversation with Bob and Highland Heights about radical change. Bob and Highland Heights, who's probably very excited with Rokio's night. He emailed me before the game and he said, I will relish watching each game. I hope Rokio rakes. Best weekend result would be a solid McKenzie performance. I look forward to three more Cleveland baseball mornings. Hopefully we can follow the Arizona Fall League together. Bob and Highland Heights. I'll tell you what, Bob. Uh, you, you know, I will be doing episodes in the offseason. And I will find a reason to mention the Arizona Fall League. I, I'm not going to say I'm going to watch the Arizona Fall League. But I will definitely keep an eye on the Arizona Fall League. And maybe we could do a little report uh, at some point. Uh, this winter and let you know who who from the Guardians kind of went off out there. Uh, so I'm sure Bob and Highland Heights was excited to see Rokio uh, rank rake like this. But you know we talked a lot about radical realignment or not radical realignment. Totally different conversation. Uh, just the radical change that could happen with the lineup next year. And I don't know. I still think. I mean. Quan Ramirez, Naylor, that doesn't seem to be changing unless you find a really great two-hole hitter. And Andres Jimenez and Bo Naylor have to be in this lineup. I mean, they got it. I mean, these these guys, these are the building blocks. These are the core. You want this thing to just develop and develop until these guys are perennial all-stars. That's the dream. That's the dream. If they can continue to develop on the path they're on right now. I know... Uh, for Andres Jimenez, the, the season was kind of a big dip in his progress. But whatever path he's on right now, you hope he can bottle it, bring it out to Goodyear with him next year, and uh, be ready to go starting in April with this kind of approach at the plate. And the same thing with Bo Naylor. Like, the way he's built and built and built this entire season up until this September, somehow you can bottle this up and just keep improving on it 
in the offseason. Uh, as much as we love Josh Naylor, it might be Bo Naylor who becomes that anchor in the three-hole for us in the lineup. It might be Josh backing up his brother one day in the lineup. I mean, I know catchers have to take games off and things like that, and, and you know the catching position can wear and tear on some people, but just like Salvador Perez had become the man in that Kansas City lineup, uh, Bo Naylor could, I mean, could he... Could he be a, like a Buster Posey one day? I mean, really just anchor the offense? Wouldn't that just be spectacular? Wouldn't that make some frustrations we've gone through worth it? The fact that we held on to Bo Naylor, the Naylor brothers, and uh, and they're just mashing in the middle of this lineup together. Uh, so as much as I want him to go add a power bat uh, in the outfield this offseason... We all want some more home runs. We we have to hit more home runs. We've proven that uh, being the absolute worst team in hitting home runs in all of baseball, it, it doesn't work. So so we have to find home runs somewhere. Not saying it has to be the entire offense. I know we've also gotten into that debate this season. But we've got to find a way to add more home runs to this lineup. Whether it's developing the power we have and encouraging them to go for more home runs or adding someone who's got 20 to 30 home run a season capability in them uh, to this lineup. But I mean, yeah, I, it's honest to God, Bo Naylor, if he could, if he becomes Buster Posey one day, that would be, that would just be so sweet. So uh, yeah, a big home run for Bo there. And then they turn around, um, they actually rally, but they leave uh, the bases loaded in the second there. And then they turn around and another leadoff walk. Uh, the the pitcher for Detroit, uh, Detroit did not have himself a good day. Uh, who was out there? Wentz. Uh, yeah, it was a rough one. Uh, guys, three and thirteen on the season with a six ninety ERA. So safe to say it's been a rough one for him most of the season. Uh, but a leadoff walk to Loriano did spark that rally uh, in the second inning, and then they answer back in the third inning. It's another leadoff walk to Ramon Loriano again. This time Jimenez singles, and it brings up Tyler Freeman, who from the left-handed pitcher gets an inside fastball. And you know I talk all the time about you know going the opposite field, using the whole field. But hey, man, when a guy's going to serve up a fastball inside like this, there's only one thing you could do with it, and that's try to launch it uh, into your pull field. And that's what uh, Tyler Freeman does on this swing on an inside fastball. Hits it at 105.7. He was quick with the bat. I'm not going to lie. He had quick hands. He he whipped that bat through the zone. But it was also a little bit of the pitch doing a lot of the work for him. I mean, it really hits the sweet spot of the bat, and it jumps. 415 feet, 27-degree launch angle. 30 out of 30 ballparks. They were joking on the TV broadcast that this would have even been a home run in the old Comerica Park configuration before they put the bullpens in out there in left field when it used to have to hit the thing a country mile to hit a home run in left field and clear the stands. Uh, This would have been a home run in the old configuration. So, I mean, Freeman blasts one, and suddenly, I mean, we have blown this thing wide open. It's a 6-2 two game I believe at that point and then uh, Bo Naylor with another double keeps it rolling Miles Straw is able to single into right field Uh, the right fielder for them uh, Carpenter can't play the ball well it kind of short hops him and it allows Naylor to come in and score our final run and then 
just like in was it the Baltimore series, our last series? Oh no, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati, they go quiet. They score early. They put up seven runs, and then the offense just goes quiet. And uh, the pitching has really got to uh, keep it together for the rest of the game. They got runners on. Uh, I think they have a runner on in every inning. A leadoff single in the ninth, a walk, a one-out walk in the eighth, a one-out single in the seventh, uh, a leadoff double from Quan in the sixth, but Loriano grounds into a double play to end that threat. Uh, and Brian Rocchio had the one-out double in the fifth inning. So uh, the fourth inning is the they don't even go one, two, three in the fourth inning. Ramon Loriano was caught stealing. So they do have someone on in every inning. Uh, but uh, all the offense is there in the second and third innings. So uh, moving on to the other side of the ball, it's just a very encouraging day on offense. Like, man, I'll sign up for this Guardians offense. It's weird that they do it all in two innings, but when you're hitting crooked number home runs, I, hey, uh, sometimes that's you can run up the score quickly and then just sit back, play defense, and pitch. Uh, so speaking of pitching, uh, Cal Quantrill, uh, probably probably not a start that he's going to reflect back on too positively, except for the fact that he got the win. But in five innings pitched, he gives up eight hits, four earned runs, one walk, only three strikeouts. He does give up one home run on 101 pitches. This man is hard hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen times. And the cutter was pretty terrible tonight for him. Uh, going to his player breakdown page, he went back to a lot of sinkers and cutters and splitters and only threw the curveball 12 times. You know I'm not a fan of this pitch mix. Uh, on 12 swings against his cutter, they only whiffed twice. There were four called strikes. They fouled off one and put nine in play. They put a lot of those cutters in play for an average exit velocity of 91.6 off of that cutter. And if you go over and you look at all those extra base hits they hit, if you go over to the illustrator here, and if you look just at the extra base hits, for Cal Quantrill, it's mostly the cutter. Uh, one, the triple by Parker Meadows was a two-seam sinker on a 3-1 count. Uh, tries to pump a sinker in there, and Meadows rocks it at 99.6, all high off the wall. But uh, everything else that he gives up, every other extra base hit that he gives up, uh, whether it's to Miggy, whether it's to Baez, whether it's the home runs to make the home run to McKinstry, um, it is the cutter. All four of those pitches that are hit are the cutter. So I went and did a deep dive. I know we've talked about Cal Quantrill's pitches and his cutter before, but the, the cutter seems to be getting worse. At one point uh, in 2021, it was a when he first started throwing it, it was a plus 11 run value, and it wasn't cheap. He threw it a decent amount of times, uh, second most of any pitch he threw that season behind the sinker. But it had a plus 11 run value. They only batted 201 off it. They only slugged 324. Even the expected numbers, uh, the expected weighted on base was only 300. And everything kind of gets worse. Everything except hard hit percentage. The whiff rate, the K rate, the put away rate, everything gets worse as the season progresses. Last year, it was only a plus one Run value, the batting average goes up to 236 from 200, 201. 
The slugging percentage goes from 324 to 369. Uh, the whiff rate falls from 28.6 to 23.9. So you can see how things are trending in the wrong direction. And then this year, they hit they had a minus four run value against that cutter. They hit at 307 against it. They slug 420, and the whiff rate falls to 22.5. So you can see uh, numbers are trending in the wrong direction for that pitch. So I, I honestly God think that Cal Quantrill needs to have a serious con- you know, conversation with himself and decide, is the cutter a pitch I want to bring back for 2024? I've got my sinker, you know, fastball that I, I you know, they still hit that thing hard. Uh, they still had an ex, uh, expected weight on base of 409 against that thing. So it's not like the sinker's the greatest pitch either. But uh, not as terrible as the cutter was. Um, but uh, he's got the split finger. He's got the curve he can mix in more. I just, not that he has to stop throwing it, but Please mix the pitches up a little bit more, Cal Quantrill. You throw so many different pitches. And we saw he could be effective when he's using a lot of pitches. Um, so most guys, you would say simplify things. I would actually say for Cal Quantrill, complicate things. Change speeds more often. Change looks more often. Uh, please, please, if you're if you're coming back next year and you're going to be in the rotation, and I, I honestly can't say that's a guarantee, um, Please work on that for us. So, uh, yeah. So, he, I mean, he survives. The Guardians do what they did last year and give him a ton of run support. And uh, he makes it work. Gives up his four runs, but, uh, you know, is able to make the seven to four uh, lead work for him. Class A would actually give up a solo home run in the ninth inning. Uh, but then he's able to lock things down and add another save to his belt. So, uh, the final is seven to five, but Class Quantrill gets the win. Class A gets the save up to his forty-fourth save on the season. All right, uh, let's hit the emails and then uh, and then let's let you know MVP on the day before we wrap this thing up. I, it's crazy. So many guys have multi-hit games. Everybody in the lineup gets a hit except Jose Ramirez. What? What kind of a weird game was this? Everybody in the lineup, you're telling me Miles Straw had a multi-hit game and Jose Ramirez comes up without a hit on the day? That doesn't feel right. Uh, look, remember we were talking about Jose Ramirez could catch Josh Naylor for the team lead in OPS before the season ends? Bo Naylor. Bo Naylor is only four percentage points off the pace of Josh Naylor. Yeah, it's 833 to 831 for Ramirez to 829 for Bo. So I know Bo is at way less at bats this season. Well, I don't know with Josh being out. Uh, I don't know how many at bats he lost there. But uh, it is coming down to the wire to see. I mean, it's nice to see all those guys having OPSs over 800. But I just I think it's interesting to see who's going to finish, who's going to be at the top uh, with the best OPS when it's all said and done. All right, that's all my thoughts. Let's turn things over to the emails. Jeff in Columbus. Jeff with a G was the first to get in. I saw the Giants fired their manager, Gabe Kapler. He actually t- he actually typed Gabe Kaplan, who, if you remember, was the teacher from the TV show Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, nope, wrong Gabe there. Uh, and saw some chatter online that he would be a good candidate in Cleveland. You have any thoughts about Kapler replacing Tito? Yeah, I don't. I don't love it. 
it didn't work really well in Philadelphia in his first stint as manager. I remember, if I remember correctly, things did not go well there. Uh, and for San Francisco, it hasn't really been a success. I, I don't know. He's got a successful winning percentage. Oh, actually, I don't know as a manager what his winning percentage is here. But nah, I, I, I don't. I don't see that as a fit. I don't want a guy on his, you know, it's funny I'm going to say this because Tito was on his third team as manager. I don't want a guy in his third team as manager. I mean, Tito found success in Boston. It was a much different story. Uh, Cap, Kapler, uh, nah, I'm not feeling that one. I'd like them to keep looking. Uh, he says, kudos to Bo Naylor and Tyler Freeman. I think Bo can be a special player, and I'm excited to see him play again next season. Cal got the win, and Class A secured his 44th save. We have provided Class A with a lot of save opportunities due to so many close games this season. I hope next year we just blow more teams out, even if it means less saves for Class A. I, I think he, I agree, Jeff. I think he just needs to pitch less innings. And uh, yeah, a few less save opportunities might also mean less blown saves. So uh, let's do it. Let's blow out some teams. I'm with you. He says, we also have to figure out the setup role. 99 was a bust. Stefan was shaky. De Los Santos Hedges had some ups and downs with solid seasons. And Lopez may not be here. I like our bullpen arms. Just need to solidify the roles. In any case, nice to get a win and hit a few home runs. Hope we can end this season with a sweep. Jeff in Columbus. Yeah, Jeff, it is going to be quite the conversation figuring out what this bullpen could look like next year. But they they do always tend to bring in some arms. So we'll see what they add uh, in reserve uh, for this next year. Uh, Marlon got his email in. Marlon from Birmingham. He said, hi, Davey. Quantrill wasn't perfect. Far from it. But he labored to earn the win. More importantly, the Guardians picked up the win. Cleveland improves to 4-7 and against Detroit this season. Hopefully they can do Detroit what Kansas City did to them a couple weeks ago. Uh, once again, the offense did a nice job of providing uh, 13 hits and picked up Quantrill, who didn't have his best stuff. Freeman's three-run home run was a nice surprise. Yes, it was for someone who's not known for his power. He sure got a hold of one there. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this. Uh, the pitch location, kind of that, that in fastball, almost forced him, forced Freeman to put launch angle on the ball to swing with a little bit of an uppercut swing just to get his hands inside. Uh, and, and, and I mean, he didn't just catch up to this thing. He exploded the bat through the zone to get this pitch, but it did force him to kind of put a little bit of an uppercut swing on it and get that launch angle. So uh, you're right. It was a surprise from Freeman. He continues, but what is going on with Miles Straw? Who is he all of the sudden? Willie Mays, with the way he's hit the past couple of years, I would have settled on him hitting like Willie Mays Hayes. Um, Marlon's got the jokes. Yeah, I, I know I told you that uh, Bo Naylor had a great uh, September. I know I told you that Andres Jimenez has had a great September. Let's go ahead and look at it. Let's look at the splits and see what kind of September uh, Miles Straw has had. So in 56 at-bats, well, he's only hitting 214 with a 522 OPS. So maybe not a September to remember, but the last seven games sure have been. The last seven games, he's hitting 444 with a uh, over 1,000 OPS. So at least for the last seven games, Miles Straw has uh, lived up to that contract, we'll say. 
the bottom of the lineup, Marlon says, once again provided nice punches. T-Free, Rokio, Bo Naylor, and Straw all provided two hits each. In addition to Freeman showing pop, fellow rookies in Bo and Rokio hit very well. I'm happy that Rokio is taking advantage of some unexpected playing time after Arias' unfortunate injury. I'm curious to see this shortstop battle between Rokio and Arias because both guys are solid defensively, as we witnessed with Rokio tonight, but profiled differently offensively. Arias has more pop, but Rokio should hit for a higher average. Uh, Marlon goes on to talk about how excited he is to watch the postseason games and gave us some records against those teams. So uh, thank you, Marlon, as always, for the email. And it is time for me to name MVP on the day. And I got to go with Bo Naylor, Uh, not just for the great September, but for the great game. I mean, obviously, the home run in the second inning, uh, you know, a great way to put a nice crooked number up on the board against them. Uh, and then come back with a double. I mean, he was really ripping the ball and pulling the ball hard. And uh, it's really nice to see that from Bo Naylor. So two RBIs on the day, two runs scored, two hits, two extra base hits. Bo Naylor is my MVP on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. We've only got two regular season episodes left, and I am pushing myself as hard as I can to do it for you this weekend, to finish this season strong, despite these games not really mattering. I, there's some people out there in Guardians land that actually kind of want us to lose this series because they realize the effect it would have, the trickle-down effect it would have on the draft and the draft picks. And the draft is not something we typically talk about with Major League Baseball, but uh, you could see guys like Torkelson, you could see how high draft picks do have an effect on teams' futures. So, uh, I don't know. I, I I have a hard time doing that with MLB. I have a hard time doing that with any of my teams. I just want to see my teams win. I just want to enjoy the games. So uh, I'm still rooting for the Guardians to sweep, sweep the Tigers. Let's do it. Let's secure second place for what it's worth. But let's take it to our very close geographic rivals in the Detroit Tigers. All right. That's all my thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. It seems like it's going to be the same emailers that are going to take us across the finish line, and I love them. I appreciate them. But the challenge is still out there. There's still time. If you've never emailed in this season, imagine. Imagine getting your thoughts in right now. I read it on the air. I discuss it on the air. We have a really interesting conversation because you decided at the last second, at your last chance, to get an email in this season. So do it. Hit me up, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.